Y.A., what's up? Come on. Y'all sound like you're ready for a good night at church. I love it. Man, I'm expecting tonight that God's going to do something so special. Um, man, it's going to be amazing. But really quick, would you just turn to the person sitting next to you and just say, hey, you're looking really good tonight? Because you guys sound really good. But y'all are looking even better. Come on, Red Rocks youth represent in the house tonight. Um, really quick, would you just give it up for my main man Scooter back here on keys? He's the man. Love it. He's going to help me out tonight. But really quick, I want to welcome you. If you are joining us on Facebook Live or you are joining us on podcast, we're so glad that you're joining us. And we hope that someday um, you will walk into this place because what God is doing in here is amazing. And what he's going to do tonight, even through your earphones, even through your laptop, is going to be insane. I can feel it that the presence of God is in this place. And so hopefully you walk in here someday because the worship is that much better in person. You know what I'm saying? And we really want to get to know you. But until then, um, we're so glad that you're joining us online. Jess already introduced our new people. But for me to see, I just want to see who we're working with. So if you are new, if this is your first time ever joining us at YA on a Thursday night, would you do me a favor and raise your hand for me? I just want to see what we're working with. Come on. Awesome. Great. If you're sitting around these people, would you make sure that you say hello, that you welcome them into this house? And it's important to me, new people, that you know that it does not matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what your future or your past looks like. Listen to me. You are welcome in this place because Jesus accepts all people. He accepts all people before he calls all people. And so I'm so excited for you to be joining us tonight. It's going to be a great night. How many of you know that you guys are the real Christ followers in this place? Because there is NBA Finals Game 1 going down right now. So I think we need to, to decide. I think we need to see uh, what teams people are on. So if you are going for the Cavs in this thing, would you just make some noise really quick? All right, Steph Curry and the Warriors, make some noise. Let me hear you. Guys, every single time, my money's on LeBron. My money's on LeBron no matter what. No matter what. Before we get started tonight, would you do me a favor? Would you guys all rise to your feet really quick? Um, because this is super important to me. And the Bible says that his presence uh, inhabits honor. But I'm doing this more so because I love this person to death. And so, Jess, I just want to honor you. Thank you so much for this platform. Seriously, thank you. On behalf of a whole entire room that doesn't have a microphone in their hand or a platform to say thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, I think there's this misconception when God calls us to do something. Uh, it's this, the misconception is this, that it's always greener for other people. The grass is always greener for other people. Like it just comes easy for them. Like God's hand is just, just must be on their life more than it's on mine. And let me tell you, that is a misconception. And so Jess, let me just tell you, thank you so much for the sleepless nights. John, you too, of praying for this place. Thank you so much for the time away from your family. Thank you so much for your obedience. 
student, even when this thing felt so small and it was in the Golden Campus. So let's just take a moment and revel in what God is doing in this place tonight. This is rare, this is not normal. And so thank you so much. Thank you so much. Y'all can be seated, y'all can be seated. I hope you like who you're sitting next to. If you like who you're sitting next to, like you actually did the head swivel, like dang, they are hot. Like it's not just like good looking, they are hot. Go ahead and ask that person that you're attracted to, ask them for their number and you can blame it on me. You can just say like, hey, he told me to. And I know there's somebody in the house tonight that's like, oh my gosh, this is not about relationships. This is the house of God. Well, let me tell you, if you walk out of here with that person's number, you are going to be more encouraged than you walked in here. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. All right. Well, I'm going to preach tonight. So if you got your Bible, would you just raise it high in the air for all of us to see? Come on. Wave it like you just don't care. Come on. You know how it goes. I love it. I love it. Before we open this up, we need to take a stance, though. We need to understand something. Before we read this, you need to know that God knows every single thing about you. He knows every single hair on your head. He knows everything you've ever done, everything you ever will do, bad and good. And he still loves you way more than you think he does. And he is doing way more than you think he is in your life right now. And so as we open this book, just know that this is God's plan for you, that you are not excluded from this. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, he can do amazing things in and through your life. And I've been praying for you guys for a month now. And God said a couple things to me. He said that they are discouraged and that they are tired. And so if you came in here with your head low, if you came in here tired, let me just remind you that God is for you. He is not against you. That any weapon that the enemy has pointed in your direction, it will not prosper. It has no place in your life. Let me remind you that your future is bright because Jesus has already done the heavy lifting by dying for you on the cross. So I'm excited about tonight. And I'm here to talk to you about one thing, and it is following God and giving him our attention and our intimacy before any of his plans before any of his plans. You know this, Matthew 6, says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. I love this, this is what the zebra version says. <laughs> Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when they come up. So I'm pumped. Listen to me. God most definitely has a plan for your life. But God's plan for your life is not to carry out those plans on your own. Listen, there is no spiritual promotion outside of the presence of God. We cannot make an impact for the kingdom of God without God's hand. That's just busy work. What I want you to see tonight, young adults, is that God wants to be with you. That every significant thing that he has planned for you, he wants to be involved in. And so I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna get after it, all right? God, I thank you so much 
for what you're already doing in this place. Spirit of God, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and breathe on this place, Lord. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your spirit, God, that we can build your kingdom. And so, Lord, please come do something deep within us. God, do something that is eternal. God, do something that lasts, that rings out in the city of Denver. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for all you are going to do in advance and all you have already done, Jesus. I can't imagine taking a cross. Thank you so much. And God, we just lift up the Detroit Red Wings right now in your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate you, bro. You're awesome. You're the man. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you felt super insignificant? Or maybe for you, you had a moment in your life where you just felt like things were not progressing the way that you thought they should. I I had a moment like that. It was about five years ago. I worked on a golf course, Foothills Golf Course, to be exact, as a grounds crew dude. And let me tell you, there is nothing more insignificant in life than cutting grass for golf balls to fall on. Nothing more insignificant. Like, I would wake up at 5 a.m., and I could barely even see because the sun wasn't up yet, but I would just get behind that mower, and I would just start mowing and mowing and mowing. And here's the thing. The worst part of that job was sweeping the golf balls for the driving range because you know what happens. You know if you've ever been to a driving range, immediately when that car gets out there, you just say, hey, let's aim for that guy. (laughs) Come on, let's get him. And I'm the guy that's sitting in the cart like, oh, Lord, the arrows of the enemy are coming down on me right now. I'm going to be killed by a golf ball. Is this really your plan for me? I've never felt more insignificant in my life. But the funniest part of that job is not the insignificance and the funny stories like that, but the funniest thing that I realized um, and and I saw um, through that job was this guy named Bert. For reals, this guy named Bert, and and he would show up in his Chevy Silverado with a trailer in tow, and on that trailer, he had a custom golf cart. I'm telling you, you can't make this up. He would unload that golf cart, and he would golf every single day. He was retired, and this is what he did, but it was so funny because he would golf, and he would get so frustrated. I don't know what it was about this guy, but he was just so mean, and he was so angry, but he would, he would pull up behind people on the tee boxes, and you can't make this up. I'm serious. If people weren't moving fast enough, if things weren't progressing the way that he thought they should, he would legitimately pull out an air horn. And in everybody's backswing, he would be like. (laughs) Over and over and over. And somehow, as if my job was not bad enough, I became the Burt mediator. I was the guy on the grounds crew that they sent out to go talk to Burt. And so we would just have discussion after discussion. Okay, Burt, like, dude, you cannot be blowing an air horn out here. Like, you just can't. Like, I don't care how slow people are going in front of you. You just can't do that. And he would just be like, well, they don't understand. Like, I got, I'm going to schedule. I got an agenda. I'm like, Bert, you're retired. You're here every day. <laughs> and obviously, we're not going to kick Bert out because he spends so much money at Foothills Golf Course. But, but I'm like, come on. For reals. And the funny thing is, is that people would actually fight back. Like, I've never seen somebody potentially be in more fist fights in my life than Bert. Like, people would either fight back, people would either just pick up their golf balls and go, or they would just, in spite 
take longer time. <laughs> and if in spite they would take more time on the golf course, Bert would just, man, he would all of a sudden just take off across the golf course. I'm telling you, like across multiple golf holes. And he would take it into his own hands. He would take a shortcut, and he would go to a place that he thought was better. And it's a funny story, I know, and I was thinking about it this last week, and I was praying for you guys, and I was coming up with a message, but I feel like God reminded me of that story, and it made me start to wonder, I wonder how many times we skip out on a part of God's plan for our life because we feel like the things that he has told us to do or the thing in front of us is small and insignificant, and we start to take shortcuts. And I found this passage in Scripture where we find the Israelites discouraged. And it's in Zechariah, and it begins by saying, they were disappointed because so little progress was being made, but they will see Zerubbabel continuing to build the temple and be glad. And I love the phrase, and this stuck out to me. They were disappointed because so little progress was being made. Made. This is God describing how the Israelites, his people, were perceiving, were thinking about his plan, were, were taking things into their own hands, and were feeling about God's plan. They thought that there was not enough completed. Like, they thought that they should be way farther down the road than they were. They couldn't see the significance of the small thing that God was doing around them and within them. And so they started to get disappointed because it seemed like nothing was happening. And you need to hear the context of this story to understand where God's people are coming from. And so until this point, up to this point, God had taken the Israelites out of Egypt and delivered them from slavery. Amen. He took them across the Jordan and established them into the promised land. Amen. God put on Solomon's heart to build this huge temple where God's plan was to dwell in that temple and meet with his people and do great and mighty things amongst his people. Amen. But then you have this moment of time where God's people experience a catastrophe and an enemy comes through and wipes out this temple and lays it flat on the ground to pieces. And so if you were an Israelite at this time, you would have connected God's temple with God's presence. You would have thought, because the temple is on the ground, surely God's plan is thwarted. Surely he, he doesn't have a plan anymore. Like, because this was his plan, to meet with us in the temple. This is what he was going to do. We were going to come to him there, and he was going to do mighty things among us. He was going to speak to us. And so surely, since the temple's gone, surely God's plan is over, and God has left us. But the problem was that they were looking at the, those small things and not believing in what God could do with those small things. And so they were disappointed and discouraged. And I wonder what their thoughts were as they saw something that looked so big become so small. God, have you left us? Like, are you even here? Like, do you really want to work through your people? Are you still even with us? Like, this doesn't look like plans to prosper, God. This doesn't look like much of a future, and so what are you doing? And their questions and their thoughts and their perceptions of God plan, God's plan for them may look a lot like yours. Like, maybe you're in here tonight, and you feel like what God has called you to do or the position that he has placed you in in your life is so insignificant, and so you're like, what good could possibly come from this? Or maybe for you, something has happened in your life, and there is a storm around you, and you're like, Pfft. I guess it's time to take things into my own hands. There's no way God is still working in my life. Somehow, as they're under the rule of the, of the Persians, 
they have this opportunity to rebuild the temple. And God puts it specifically on Zerubbabel's heart to rebuild this temple. And keep in mind, though, Zerubbabel is discouraged and he's hurting just like the rest of them because he's looking at this temple and he's saying, look at, this is just small pieces. I don't know if I can actually do what God is calling me to do. I don't know if I can actually rebuild this temple. And what you need to know tonight, YA, is that no matter what circumstances looks like, when God breathes on something, when God has a plan, a little is a lot. A little is a lot. And so let's step into the scripture and see how God responds to this discouragement. He says this, it is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. And then verse 10 says this, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Too often, as Christians, we want to see God's finished work. We want to see the end result. We want to see the big completion. But here's what I know why. Oftentimes, God's plan is so paradoxical. Because here's what I know. For God to do something big in your life, you must first be small. You must first take a position of humility. And here's why. Because God moves things from small to big because God wants to bring us with him. God's number one priority in your life and in fulfilling his plan through you is that his presence is upon you. It's a proximity thing. God wants nothing more than to be with you because you cannot achieve anything of significance when it comes to the kingdom of God without the breath of God, without the spirit of God. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by the spirit of God that God does things that are, are eternal. And so we've been around just, what, for eight years? This has been going on. We started in, in Golden, and that's when I started showing up. Man, I'm excited to tell this story because I've never told this story before. Um, we started in Golden, and at this time, I was living in Breckenridge, and I was traveling down every single Thursday night to just experience church because this place is so amazing. And then I would drive back up and worship, and then I'd drive back down the next Thursday, and then I'd drive back up. And this whole time, God was taking something that seemed so small that was tucked away in the Golden Student Center, and he was doing mighty things. And it began to grow, and it began to grow. And so they, they had to move into the Littleton campus. And I remember the first service at the Littleton campus. I, I don't know if just spoke about uh, serving God or, or volunteering in the church. I don't know. But all I know is that night I went home with something small instilled in my heart. I went home and I got right past Silver Plume and I remember just being like, God, I know that you are calling me to get involved in your plan in young adults. I know that you want me to be more involved in this place. But God, what do you want me to do? And this is what he said to me. This is what the God of the universe said. I don't know if it was audible or if it was to my heart, but he said, stack chairs. Wow. He said, stack chairs. And so I, I go the weekend, and I go the weekend, I'm processing this, and then I come down the next Thursday, and I go immediately, and I talk to Jess, and I'm not going to tell her that God told me to stack chairs. Are you kidding me? I don't want to, I'm not crazy. You may think I'm crazy, but I'm not. And I, I walked up to Jess, and I said, Jess, you know what? I feel like God wants me to get more involved in this place. Do you have something for me to do? 
And she said, you know what? It's awesome that you want to be more involved because we just moved into this new campus and there's not enough people yet to fill this auditorium and so we need somebody to stack the chairs. I'm not joking you. And so listen to me, by worldly standards, there is nothing more insignificant than unloading platforms for people's cheeks to sit on. There's nothing more insignificant. But when you step into what God is calling you to do, when you step out and you say, I don't care how small it is, I don't care what it is, I am going to follow you with everything that I have. God will breathe on it and God will make it of something of significance and God will do a mighty work through you. When we're obedient to the small things, God does big things. And this is Jesus' language. This is why in Mark 11, he says to his people, he says, I tell you, with the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, go to the sea, and it will go. It doesn't take a lot. A little is a lot. With a little faith, we can move mountains. We do not need more faith, though. I'm convinced that we need more courage. We need to have the audacity to stand in front of something that is big and say, go to the sea and move. But I'm also convinced that sometimes it can be more difficult to say to the small thing grow than to say to the big thing move. Sometimes it can be so much easier to stand in the face of sickness to stand in the face of God's call, whether it's planting a church, whatever, how big it is, if it's a big thing, it can be easier to pray for that because you know that you need the Spirit of God. It can be so much easier to do that than to look at the small thing of insignificance and believe that God wants to do something mighty through that. I love this. Chris Kane says this. She says, nothing tests our faith more than nothing. There's nothing more challenging than to continue to pray and continue to believe and continue to stand and operate in faith and intimacy with God when you don't see him making any progress in the call in your life. It's too easy to take things into your own hands when you don't trust God with what he's doing, when you can't see where he is. God's plan for you is to trust and believe with hands wide open saying, not by my might, Not by my power, but by your spirit. The small things that you are doing within me and through me will be significant for your kingdom and for your glory. Which leads to my second point is this. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts in God's plan. In other words, don't be a Bert on the golf course in the kingdom of God. God's plan for you is never to take things into your own hands. What he requires from you is absolute unmerited trust. Deep, deep connection and unrivaled intimacy. Don't be tempted to take a shortcut just because your progress doesn't look like what you think it should look like. And so we find this story in 1 Samuel 13, and Jonathan just has this victory under Saul, defeating the Philistines temporarily. But the Philistines are not completely defeated, and they are ticked off. They are going and they are rallying every Philistine in the land and they are getting all these troops. In fact, scripture tells us that there were more warriors than there were grains of sand on the shore and they were coming. They crossed the Jordan and they were surrounding Saul's army in Gilgal. And all Saul had was a simple call, a small beginning, a small thing to wait, to wait. 
Samuel said to to Saul, he said, wait until I get there because we are going to give God our attention. We are going to sacrifice a burnt offering unto God, and God is going to win this battle for you. Scripture says that while Saul was surrounded by the Philistines, he waited seven days for Samuel to arrive. His men were trembling with fear. They, like, began sneaking out in the night, hiding in holes and rocks. And keep in mind, this is Saul's special forces. This is like the Navy SEALs running from this situation. Like, this should not be happening. And so Saul takes a shortcut. Saul sacrifices the burnt offering without Samuel there. And immediately when he does, Samuel shows up. Isn't that just the Lord? Like, the second that you step out of what you know he's telling you to do, he shows up. And when you're waiting for him, it feels like he's never going to show up. Saul begins to explain himself after Samuel says, what is this you've done? He's like, yo, you should have seen. You weren't here. Like, I waited seven days. You weren't here in the night to see their torches in their camps. It looked like fire all around us. All of my soldiers were leaving. It seemed like you were never coming. Where were you? Seven days I waited for you. And then listen to what Samuel says. He says this, how foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, had you not taken a shortcut, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Listen to me, YA. Too often we give our problems significance, attention, and affection before we give the presence of God attention and affection. Too often, we see the small things that God has called us to do. We see the rubble that seems like nothing can happen, or we see the pressure around us, and we start to take things into our own hands, saying, well, I guess I've got to figure it out. Maybe, maybe this isn't what God really had planned for me, because it doesn't seem like he's going to show up. Like, maybe this isn't the path that God wanted me to walk down, because I really can't feel him right now. And listen to me, when we give our problems significance and attention before we give the presence of God attention, we enter into an anxiety mindset because we start to try to control God's plan rather than surrendering to God's plan. We start to try to control God's plan rather than surrendering to God's plan. And I love this. One of my favorite authors says this. He says that anxiety is temporary atheism. And listen to me, like if you struggle with anxiety in here, I understand that there is clinical anxiety. I understand that there is clinical depression. But what John Mark Homer is saying he, is he's saying when we take faith and attention off of God and we begin to put it on our own abilities and our own talents and our own problems, we enter into an anxiety mindset and we are ineffective for the kingdom of God. God's plan for you, young adults, is to be effective, not busy. And there is a huge difference between being busy and being effective. Because how many of you know you can work so hard to advance in your life and advance in God's call on your life, but get nowhere? You can take shortcut after shortcut after shortcut, and God will not bless that. But how many of you know that hardworking hands, when they are lifted high unto God and attention to God, and then working hard, they are so much more effective than anything else. They are unstoppable. 
Listen to me. God wants your attention before he wants your work ethic. God wants to be with you before he wants anything else from you. Stay obedient to the truth, not what you feel and not what you see around you or what you feel within you. It's the most difficult thing to do when you are disappointed with the progress that God is making in your life. But listen to me. The truth is small things take time to grow. Small things take time to grow. Good things take time to cook. It's summertime. Anybody like grilling? It's one of my favorite things ever. My family owns a Traeger, and I am a self-proclaimed grill master. I love it. It's so much fun. But, but there's a lot of anxiety when it comes to being the grill master. Because well, am I cooking it too long? Am I not cooking it enough? There's some anxieties to that. But there's also the pressure. How many of you know when you are grilling for people, when you are cooking for people, there's always the one person that peeks their head out the door and says, yo, are you done yet? What's happening? Like, can, can you just pull it off? Can we hurry it up a little bit? Yeah, I can hurry, I can hurry up. I can take it off if you really want to die of salmonella. <laughs> Good things take time. Small things take time to grow. Good things take time to cook. And I feel like that's what God is saying in this room tonight. He's saying, will you trust me even though the progress isn't looking like what you think it should look like? Will you believe in me? Will you stay connected? Will you seek me before you seek anything else? Will you trust in my timing? Because listen to me, young adults. Your time is the most precious thing that you can offer God. Will you stay when he says stay and will you go when he says go? Offering God your time is the ultimate form of worship because time is a gift. You have no idea how much longer you're going to be on this planet. You have no idea how many more breaths you're going to take. But when you can take what you have been given and what you have and you can press it back on God and say, not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit, I'm going to believe that you're going to do mighty things. I don't care how small what's in front of me looks like. I believe that you're going to take this small call on my life. And as I press towards you, as I lift my hands in praise, I'm going to believe that you are going to do a mighty thing that's not only going to impact my life but it's going to push forward other people because you love them fearlessly and recklessly God is always pleased and can do nothing short of impossible when we give him our time our attention and our affection before anything else that's why Proverbs 16 32 says this better a patient person than a mighty warrior Better self-control than one who takes a city. Listen to me, young adults. Tonight and forevermore, God is not looking for a mighty warrior. Your God is a mighty warrior. God is looking for somebody who is after his own heart, who will say, I don't care what it looks like, I am still going to press forward to God. I don't know who's against me, but God, I know you are for me. And so I'm going to press on, and I'm going to trust that what you really spoke into my heart, it will not fail, because God, you are faithful, and you cannot deny yourself, because you are the truth, you are the way, and you are the life. And so God, I will push forward no matter what. I will seek your heart. And I know that's prophetically speaking about David becoming king. But when I think about that scripture, you know who I think about? 
I think about Peter. I think about Peter. You have this guy in Peter who leaves everything he's ever known, everything that he has, his profession, everything behind to follow Jesus. And he says, I'm never turning back. And listen to me. Red Rocks, young adults, no matter what it looks like, no matter what you feel, never turn back. Never turn back. We see this in the pinnacle story of Peter's life. Maybe the most famous preached scripture of all time. It's Peter in the boat. Right? And in this story, you have the disciples in the boat and you have this storm raging around them. And all they see is the wind and the waves. But Peter is this one when they see the ghost and they are terrified, he stands up and he says, here am I, Lord, call me out to you. This is what scripture says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come to me, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink, saying, save me, Lord. He sh- saying, save me, Lord. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. I love it. I love that Peter is the one that says, no matter how things look, I am going to stand up on the side of this boat. And if you tell me to step out, Lord, I'm going to step out. I don't care how insignificant this little step looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if I'm going to step off and I'm going to sink, Lord. If you tell me to come to you, I'm going to come out to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you. And a lot of times we look at this story and we say, oh, Peter, you have little faith. Why didn't you just believe? But I look at this story and I say, I want to be Peter. I want to step out of the boat, no matter what it looks like, no matter how small what God is calling me to do. I want to go towards that thing and trust God's plan and his favor and his blessing over my life because of Jesus. Peter starts drowning. Do you see how special this is? Peter starts drowning. And instead of turning back and swimming back for the boat, he keeps swimming to Jesus. He keeps on going. He doesn't turn back. And it says immediately God reached out his hand and pulled him out. God didn't use it as a teaching point of like, oh, Peter, you're drowning. Like, good for you. Immediately he pulled him out. I think Peter's somebody who had true intimacy with God. And listen to me, young adults, victory and breakthrough through is never achieved by turning back. You have one life, and so make it one plan to follow God with everything that you have, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it seems. Peter's like, I've already left everything I've ever known. And so, Jesus, I don't care if I'm drowning right now. I don't care if I'm tired. I don't care if I'm discouraged. I'm going to keep on pressing forward, trusting that you are going to save me because you're good. And so tonight, I want to make a declaration. And so you can stand to your feet. I'm almost done. But tonight I think there's people in this room that are discouraged and are tired. And tonight you need to make a declaration that says this. I don't care where I've started. I don't care what the little thing God has put in my hands looks like. I know that I'm not going to finish where I started. 
I know that God is with me. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. He is Emmanuel, and he is going to follow me and be with me wherever I go. And so I'm going to take this small thing, and I'm not going to hold on to it and try to control God's plan over my life, but I'm going to release it, and I'm going to surrender my life into God's plan, trusting that he is going to do something so much more than ever I could ever ask for or imagine. That's our declaration tonight. And so would you bow your head? I want to ask a couple questions in here tonight. Listen, maybe you've walked in here tonight and I said, don't despise the day of small beginnings because the Lord rejoices for the work to begin. And you're like, I don't, I've never even had a beginning with Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I've never t- taken a step with him. Well, listen to me right now. You can have that. Jesus went to a cross and died for you knowing your name when he laid down on that cross. And listen, the King of kings and the Lord of lords does not, he's not forced to do anything. And so he laid down on that cross out of love for you, despite what your life may be speaking to you right now. God loves you and has a plan for you. He died the death that you deserve. And then he was raised to life, conquering the grave so we may seek him forever and we can have a purpose in our lives. And so I'm going to ask, on the count of three, if you've never encountered Jesus and you want to put your faith and you want to put your life in his plan for you and his love for you, one, God loves you so much. On the count of three, just raise your hand. Two, don't let this pass you by. He loves you so much. Three, would you raise your hand if you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, come on, hands all over the place. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the second question is this. Maybe you came in here tonight and you are discouraged and you are tired, but what you need to do is you need to stop giving your problems attention before you give God attention. And so maybe tonight your declaration is that I am going to put everything that I have into Jesus. I am going to worship him with everything that I have. I'm gonna give him complete control right here, right now, trusting that he's gonna take care of everything that I need. I'm seeking him first, starting now. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I'm going to say a prayer for you. Amazing, amazing. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for who you are and what you have done in our lives. God, we thank you for what you're wanting to do in the future. Lord, I thank you tonight that people's future has changed forever because they stepped into a relationship with you. And so, Lord, would your Holy Spirit just invade their heart and their life, God? Would you begin to speak to them? And God, I pray for every single person in here whose head is down, whose head is low. God, I pray that as we give you our attention and worship, as we lift our hands to you, God, would you be glorified, but would you lift our heads as we lift our hands? God, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship.